High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome all you out there who know how to ride a bicycle, whether you're still in training wheels, whether you're just doing it for pleasure, whether you have a tandem bike, or whether you're a BMX professional representing one of the big factories. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And the pool party's at my place this evening. But first, let's chat about some important stuff. So far, how's your summer going? I gotta know. So far, so good, right? I know Mondays have been a little bit of a task, right? We've been covering these babysitting films. That means you guys have been babysitting for a living. You're earning your keep. You're earning that money so you can buy your first car or go to college. And I really, really appreciate that. Hey! It's better than summer school, right? So what'd you think of last Monday's assignment? Of course, the great Alex Schroeder was here, and we talked a strange movie, Weekend with the Babysitter, a 1970s kind of smut piece. But it was fun. Always a blast having her on. And if you did not do what I require of you, and you did not listen to Monday's episode, well... It's the summer. I'm going to relax a little bit on you guys. But you should listen. And you can do that by going on cageclub.me, which is the flagship for us here. And that's the home of not just High School Slumber Party, but my other podcast, P.S. I Love Hoffman, and so many, so many other great, great pop culture podcasts, including a lot by the godfather himself, Joey Lewandowski, Too Fast, Too Forever, Cruise Club, Tom Tom Club, the original Cage Club. We'll talk more about Joey later, as he is our guest today. I just want to take this time to remind you, though, that wherever you're listening right now, whether it be Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, what's the one I'm missing? Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Please hit that subscribe button. And while you're there, if they allow you to do this, 
please give us a five-star rating or the best rating possible. And please write a review for High School Slumber Party. All those things help keep High School Slumber Party at the very low price of zero dollars and zero cents. That's two podcasts a week for the very low price of zero point zero zero. So now that we have that out of the way, let's talk about today's movie. Remember, Fridays are for fun. If Monday's for working the babysitting circuit, Fridays are for hanging out at the pool with me, just chilling and talking about some iconic, iconic high school-centric films. And today is no exception for some. Who here has heard of Rad? If you haven't, you're in for a treat. And if you have, you're in for a treat. This movie is awesome. This movie is great. It's got a lot of factoids. It's got a lot of interesting things about it. It's a BMX... I don't know. I don't know. It's just such a cool 80s movie. I don't want to spoil too much, but we get into the nitty-gritty here. We talk about its origins. We talk about its producers, its actors. So many great lines. We talk about ass sliding. Yes, ass sliding is a thing. You'll find out soon enough. I hope you watched Rad, though. But if you couldn't watch Rad, I'm pretty sure it's going to be available to rent soon. You want to look out for that. If not, try to track down the Blu-ray, the the 4K, the Ultra HD 4K. We discussed that a lot here on this episode as well. Track it down. It's worth a watch. But I know right now not everyone has access to Rad. And I know the last two episodes we did which were, of course, Weekend with the Babysitter, and before that, Battle Royale. Didn't have too many clips for different reasons. Weekend with the Babysitter, it's like I literally just recorded off my phone, off like a trailer from the computer. There's not a lot of clips on the internet, such an obscure movie. And Battle Royale is a Japanese film, and I didn't feel like clips would be relevant. I guess. You know what I mean. Unless you spoke Japanese. That's neither here nor there. They're willing to sacrifice building a solid future for a bicycle race. It's very self-destructive. Would you try to understand? The only thing I'm good at is riding this bike. Point is, this episode is going to be chock full of clips. Good ones. I promise it won't interrupt the flow of the episode. You'll have a good time. But if anything, it should encourage you to find a way to spend your money on Rad. Whether it's the DVD, whether it's Rad t-shirts, whether it's whatever. Whether it's renting it, streaming it. You'll find a way. Trust me. And I've been talking up rad all this time and I've kept you so long and frankly I'm in the mood to hang by my pool and grab a drink let's see what my private bartender has made me today hmm ah yes a Bahama Mama Woo! this is gonna be a fun one while I sip my Bahama Mama why don't you put on your swimsuit tell your mother you're about to hang out at Brian's because we're about to get our pool party on. So I'll leave you with a song, the theme to Rad. This is glorious. By the way, there's an authentic music video for this on the Blu-ray that I have, and it's John Farnham, Break the Ice. See you on the other side of the pool.
Joey, rarely in the history of High School Slumber Party have you been so insistent, not in a mean way or anything, but so (laughs) insistent on being a guest for a certain movie. Of course, way back when, two years ago and change, when I started this show, I put out a list of people, but I rarely hold anyone to that list because it was two years ago. This wasn't on that list, but when you put it to my attention that this movie was being re-released, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, you, you were very excited. You wanted to be on this episode, so here you are. This is your forum. Maybe I'm the guest, and you're the host today, because <laughs> we're talking about Rad. W- why don't you introduce yourself so we can just dive right into this baby? Of course. Joey Lewandowski, 100 and Central Regional High School, class of 2006, Go Red Devils. Awesome, and of course, Joey, you co-founded this network you sure are did. you're the godfather, the podfather of the network. You steer the ship. So I was forced to have you as the rad guest. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I have not talked to you about this on Facebook, but I'm glad that in a recent episode of PSL of Hoffman, you created the holiday of Podfather's Day, which is my birthday, which I do want to thank you for you and Kyle for the gift that keeps on giving, which is celebrating me, I guess, on a... Uh, on a, on a celebrated day. And that's why you started the network to celebrate yourself, right? Yes. <laughs> no. Okay, so you and I have both talked about uh, Vinegar Syndrome and the releases, mm-hmm. and we could talk about it some more today. And, you know, we also discussed like Mondo stuff and maybe forgotten cult classics. Rad definitely, definitely being one of them. So tell me off the bat, what's your history with Rad? Why were you so excited to see it again, talk about it and all that? So Rad, I've seen four times in the last two years. And I looked that up because I was like, I've, I've seen this movie a bunch lately. And this was, this was a movie that was covered by How Did This Get Made? And for a long, long time, I was watching every movie they did. And now I'm sort of like, I'm eyeing it up and I'm not always watching it. I'm watching maybe about one in every two or one in every three. There's still some good ones. Like there's one, it's not a high school movie, but there's one recently they did was the Peanut Butter Solution, which is a bananas <laughs> Canadian kids movie. <laughs> so like two summers ago, like mid 2018, they cover Rad and it's like almost impossible to find. Like I had to find some like bootleg version online. Like it was a good version. Like I think what happened was this aired on like some HDTV channel once and someone like captured on the DVR and like transcoded it or whatever and put it online. And like you could not legally buy this anywhere for like for forever. But I found this copy and I did not acquire it legally. I will say that now I own the pristine 4K Vinegar Syndrome copy, which I love, which I watched last night, which made me so happy. But I watched this movie. I was like, holy shit, this movie is amazing. And my one, I truly, and I, I put this on Twitter yesterday, and I know that you you saw it because you liked it, but truly one of my favorite things in life is showing this movie or bringing this movie, this movie in particular, to people who have never seen it before because it is so wonderful and, like, not not necessarily good, but, like, fun and 80s and, like, everything I like. 
and it made me think it makes me think a lot about Rocky 4 cuz like most of this movie is montage and like <laughs> I love Rocky 4 I love this movie both like mid 80s classics and I just I adore this movie both have Talia Shire Mhm <laughs> very true the, the the Shire connection <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is something that I'd never seen before. I'd never heard of it till you pointed me in the direction of it. I just have a quick question. You mentioned how did this get made? And I've been avoiding that show because we do a lot of similar things. And yeah. I don't know. I, I hate when people jump on the bandwagon and they're like, this is so dumb. Right. With something that I don't find that dumb or I find a little bit of enjoyment. And, and I love those guys. I don't think they do a great job. And I'm not ever comparing myself to that wildly successful podcast. But it's something that since I started this, I've kind of tried to steer away from. Just Also, I don't want to be like, uh, not on purpose or by accident, I don't want to be like a podcast mirror. You and I both know people who listen to a podcast and then kind of sound like the podcast. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm always really I know. afraid of that. I know. <laughs> Especially with film podcasts. So, yeah. Question, were the, did they like it or were they ripping it? Or was it just like kind of just their thing and they were just making ha-has? I want to say that Jason loved it. I don't remember. I've only I've only heard the episode once. Every other Friday they announce the movie, then they cover the movie the next Friday. So like, you basically have like a week to watch it. So like I was watching ahead of it so I could like listen the day of or whatever, right? And mm-hmm. I watched this. I was like, oh my God, I love this movie. Like a movie that I never heard before last week. And now I really love this movie and I hope they like it. And I think, I want to say, I mean, I don't know how you could watch this movie and not love it. Especially if you're watching it under the pretense of a podcast about bad movies. Like, this might be a bad movie. The Metascore is terrible. I don't. I didn't look up the Rotten Tomatoes and then you'll get to it at the end. But, like, objectively, this movie's probably not good. But, like, if you're only watching bad movies, like, this is so much fun. I don't know how you could not love it. Well, Joey, I actually was going to break the Rotten Tomatoes tradition today. Ooh. It's funny you mention it. Because this famously, and, like, when you mentioned it, I had heard about it once. Because I looked up an article about this very thing. And I was like, oh, I don't know this movie. And it's, what do you call it? Like, the gap between critic score Okay. And audience score. Mm-hmm. This has one of the widest gaps. I can see that. Only seven critics rated it at the time, but it got 29% by the critics. But 7,000 plus users rated this film, and it gets 90% by them. That's not high enough, I would say. <laughs> but that's 29% to 90%. Yeah. So they might say, how did this gap. get made? I'm going to say, how did this happen? You know? And <laughs> we're going to talk all about it today and i'm so excited to talk about it for a lot of reasons one you obviously love it two it's great and i love great things that i i haven't uh, seen or heard of before frankly another reason it's got a lot of production notes and you know i love the juicy mm-hmm. the juicy factoids mm-hmm. if you will but before any of that you know we both mentioned that we have this 4k copy it also has yep. a blu-ray in it from vinegar syndrome and vinegar syndrome we've talked about on here because they did their fan right uh no i know that, that was mondo else. they did tammy and the t-rex yeah, tanny, tanny, and sorry, t-rex. tanny and the teenage tanny t-rex. And the t-rex yes so mondo did their fan or whoever mondo you know whoever they were yeah, yeah yeah they did this and we talked about it another time i don't know i have a ton of their stuff just like in back catalogs like Malibu High and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe stuff we'll cover later. But we, we talk about them uh, fairly often because I'm fascinated with what they do, just acquiring old stuff, restoring it, and making it new again. And this stuff always, not all of it, but the hot stuff sold out, rad sold out from them. So if you want to get it, you got to hit the eBay or, or trade with a friend or something like that. But, you know, you you got me onto this. I figured if we were going to do it, I would buy it as well came with a cool poster. So I'm going to read the back of this 
extra special Blu-ray. Okay. With very small font. If you if you see yours, you'll be like, wow, that font is small. <laughs> but here goes. Crew Jones is the fastest and most talented BMX rider in his small logging town. When Duke Best, owner of Mongoose Bicycles, decides to hold a competition at a nearly impossible to compete BMX racing course named Helltrack, Crew decides that it's his destiny to compete in the race, which offers a winning cash prize of $100,000. But unknown to Crew, Duke has concocted the race as a publicity stunt to promote his top rider, Bart Taylor and begins to do everything in his power to prevent Crew from being able to enter into the competition. To make matters oh boy. even more complicated, Crew soon learns that the race is scheduled the same day as he's supposed to take the SATs and finds himself with a choice between his future college and a race where all odds are stacked against him. <laughs> and then it goes on to another paragraph to talk about the cast, but we don't have to talk about the cast yet. So, just curiously, you did not know about this film when you were a child or anything like that? Correct. Gotcha. I didn't either. I talked to some people I know. They haven't really heard of the film as well. Kate Hudson did when we mentioned it on uh, Adventures in Babysitting, but that doesn't surprise me. No. (laughs) Okay, so here are some production notes. And this Vinegar Syndrome DVD is chock full of them. You and I were talking about this off air, but they're also doing a screening and i think mondo is somehow affiliated with that it's like a rental it's 9.99 so if you don't want to buy the dvd or you can't you can also rent it pretty soon for 9.99 and that has a lot of a lot more special features that's going to be attached to that there's a documentary that they've been working on it's partially on this dvd or blu-ray or 4k you know what i mean but apparently it's going to be released when the rental is released we'll see uh, <laughs> and i was so curious like why rad why now like, why all the hype at this moment? I right. know you and I both have social media and both have been talking about this. So our social media has been flooded with rad T-shirts and rad, you know, well, merchandise. I've spent so much money on rad in the last, like, six months. <laughs> I bought this blue, the 4K, which was, like, 40 bucks because it's, you know, vinegar. Like, it's, again, like, I don't mind doing it because, like, you can't get it elsewhere. I bought a rad T-shirt last night on Amazon. I bought the rad Mondo print poster today. So I'm, like, $130 deep into rad. I priced out the vinyl. <laughs> the vinyl is, like, there's only one available on ebay right now for 500 dollars, which i know is like it seems like i was saying this to you last night you could probably get it at some points for a hundred dollars i don't want to spend a hundred dollars on the vinyl but like i'm already 130 bucks deep on rad if you send me another cool thing i'd be like yeah i'll buy that <laughs> it's got really cool marketing it's got really cool just imagery i'm not surprised that this stuff is getting popular i'm kind of surprised that this movie originally kind of was a flop they thought it was going to be a bigger picture than it was and that's kind of why we don't see it now but why is it out today why is rad getting a second life do you have an answer i do have an answer i did this research maybe it's because of you know how did this get made who knows maybe that first put it back on the radar but actually it goes back to relatives of the podcast namesake right Mm -hmm. so as we know talia shire is in this film. Talia Shire is what, Nicolas Cage's aunt or something? Something, something. like that. I don't know exactly how it works, but I know that the Shires and the Schwartzmans and the Coppolas and Nick Cage are all in the same family tree somehow. Yes. So Talia Shire married a producer named Jack Schwartzman, and they started a production company together. And their whole goal was to make wholesome family <laughs> films. Rad was one of them, and they would shoot them back to back to back to back to back. Again, Schwartzman, Coppola's, they're all related here. Everyone's everyone's together. But this movie, it doesn't do well. 
Jack Schwartzman dies, and there's really no desire to really have a you know second life to these things and a release. But someone who we've talked about on the podcast before, very ironically, I did not expect his name to pop up today. And that's Robert Schwartzman. If you guys remember, if you're big High School Slumber Party fans, we talked about Robert Schwartzman, uh, Robert Schwartzman on the Princess Diaries episode because he plays Michael. And, you know, it's one of his only film roles. Now he fancies himself more of like a director, producer guy. But he is one of the Schwartzman children. We all know Jason Schwartzman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not involved with this film at all. But... His father produced the film. His mother was in the film. But he was only two years old, two or three years old when they were shooting it. But he just seemed to have a renewed interest in his father's work. So he spearheaded the restoration of this. He's spearheading all the panels and all the other great stuff that's coming now for Rad. Because he really, like, he wants this film to get a second life. I listened to some of the commentary on this, there's a, there's like a bunch of commentary tracks, but one of them is with Talia Shire and him. And I asked you before, I'm like, why the hell is he on the commentary track? And it's because like, this is his baby right here. Like he wants Rad to get a second viewing because he thinks it's really good. And I mean, I tend to agree with him. He's so right. Yeah. We want to thank Robert Schwartzman <laughs> for his work on this. And yes, he's great at the Princess Diaries, but his legacy here in another high school film. Bravo, Robert. Bravo. And there's another Schwartzman involved, actually, and he's a very famous DP right now, and that's John Schwartzman. John Schwartzman shot, I think, one of the recent Jurassic Park films. He shot a lot of things, but he was at USC at this point, and his dad let him shoot that awesome title sequence. So it's one of the first things he ever like shot himself that was in a movie. So big family affair for this film. You mean the Break the Ice sequence that is four and a half minutes long in a 90-minute movie? <laughs> Now you know why it's so long. My first note is, why is this so long? It's great, but why is it so long? It's because his dad was in charge, and he's like, I like what my son's doing here. So whatever. I would you know, I would do that too. I love it. <laughs> so that's why we're seeing so much of this movie now. And again, I can't, I can't complain. A couple other notes before we get into like more people notes. Apparently, the original title was Balls Out. Yep, I saw that. <laughs> but that was changed to make it, I think, more family-friendly. They also say Rad a lot in the film. Rad's a better title. There's no balls in, you know, if this was a sport of balls, then maybe we could talk about that. But whatever. Um, <laughs> and if you were wondering where it was shot, because these scapes are amazing. And by the way, the color on this restoration looks so great. But it was shot in Calgary. So that's that why makes sense. I would I would have put money on Canada. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's why you get these great mountainscapes. And though Calgary is a big city, they were able to make it look like a small town because Calgary in 1985 is not New York City, you know? <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about the director too, Hal Needham. Oh, Are you familiar with him? Of course. Yes, because he, he's Burt Reynolds' guy. He's he Burt is Reynolds. Burt Reynolds' guy. He did Cannonball Run. He did Hooper. And he did, I think, a third movie with Burt Reynolds, one of which we covered Cannonball Run, obviously, on Too Fast, Too Forever this past lap, this most recent lap that we completed. I think we're going to do at least one more of his movies. But, like, he just makes <laughs> he just makes great, fun movies. They're, they're just fun. They're just, like, he just seems like a fun fun like he wants to, he just wants to have fun on set and make fun movies absolutely i don't know if you've like read some of the legends about him but apparently like he would live in like burt reynolds backyard <laughs> he was just like a stunt guy burt reynolds knew and he was sort of like you're directing my movies now you know how tom cruise is like what i forgot his name you would probably know from doug lyman yeah the, yeah, the like new mission impossible guy mm-hmm. where he's like you're oh my oh christopher mcquarrie well he's got a couple guys he, he's oh got you're right guys he does have that guy though. too yeah 
Yeah, so Cruz like anoints people, right? And often yeah. they are from like the stunt world and stuff or, or other things he knows. And he's like, you're going to be my guy. You know, that's yeah. who, who Hal Needham was for Burt Reynolds. But, you know, he did this too. And it makes sense, right? While this isn't cars and stuff, it is still very, very stunt oriented. For sure. And like, it's great. Like, it's really, really good. Absolutely. And they hired a crew of some of the best BMX uh, riders in the world to do this. Everyone's got a, a body double pretty much, but it's pretty seamless. There's one moment where I really noticed that it was bad, but otherwise it's really, really good, especially with our lead character. You would think he's doing all the stunts for the most part. And the sport of BMX was really, really young at this time. And now it's an Olympic sport, so... It went from rad to the Olympics, so bravo. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about the cast a little bit, because I know you want to get into scenes and such and and moments. There are some glorious moments in this film. But Bill Allen is our lead. He plays Crew Jones. Mm -hmm. What a cool name. I know he's in a bunch of stuff. I wasn't too familiar with him. Are you familiar with him at all? No, I know him. Like, if I saw him in another thing, I'd be like, oh, it's the guy from Rad. Like, there's a lot of people in here that I recognize from other things. He was in Born the Fourth of July in some regard. I don't know to what. I He's forever Crew, Crew Jones to me. Absolutely. And he kind of has like a Scott Baio, Rob Lowe feel. He looks like a man of the 80s. Yeah, you know. for sure. For sure. <laughs> and I can't believe we're talking about her again. But Christian Hollings, a lot of a uh, guy girl names here. I'm not saying it's bad, but if you're like way looking... ahead of the curve. <laughs> yes, exactly. And Christian, you know, an up and coming female i guess <laughs> she rides for trophies they say and i don't know what that means but she's like i'm not riding in hell track because i still ride for trophies it's like okay, okay. i was like why is she there but okay <laughs> she had a really cool mongoose uniform at the end but that's oh, yeah. Lori lachlan and you know i know she's been in the news and where are you going to college <laughs> <laughs> i guess you are huh yeah how about you well i plan to but qualifying is the same day that my sats are on We actually talked about her on this podcast for Homegrown Christmas last year with Joe, too. But uh, I did not know she was in this movie. Yeah, I mean, she she was great in my mind. Come on, cruiser, I'm betting on you. This is the easiest money I ever made. Pay up, you big goon. Uh, You know, you're letting your body turn your head. See, if you let your head lead, your body will just follow naturally. Really? Mm-hmm. And besides, if you do make it and those mattresses are there, they're just going to cause you to wipe out. What are you, nuts? No guts, no glory. Every time I wrote down her name, I just, it was Aunt Becky, because she's still Aunt Becky, and, like, she's great in this movie. What I love about this movie, and I think we'll talk about it more later, maybe, is that, like, it sets up this whole high school town, right? Like, he's got his two best friends who eventually wind up dating. He's got his, like, the girl that he's got a crush on. He's got the bullies at school, like, the jocks and the preppy kids or whatever. That there's this whole, like, high school environment, right? And then Bill and Lori and Aunt Becky, like, Christian, and that whole crew, like, the Mongoose team comes in, and we, like, forget everything about the high school drama like (laughs) everything is just thrown out the window it's almost like a death proof style where it's like you know all these characters well forget them all because here's the new characters (laughs) and like it's not the same reason like the the friends stick around but for the most part it's just like we're setting up a bunch of people that don't matter but what i love about like aunt becky just instantly replaces 
the girl that he's got a crush on and like he fall, they both fall madly in love with each other very quickly you know the bullies get replaced by bill and his goons and it's just like i don't know why they did the little work they did early on but i love this like transition from small town villains and crushes to like out of town villains and crushes and they were great setups you know that yeah. you know that first shot in high school or the big one where everyone's in the hallway classic great high school shot but you're so right and this is a through line through the film even to the point where like you know the sat thing is replaced by his desire to be a bmx rider so school slowly gets put on the back burner here it's certainly a high school film we've done more controversial films i'm not saying that i will say that i was worried for a second that when i was trying to remember if this was a high school movie or not because again high school not important at all like what you're saying but i had another anna and the apocalypse moment where i'm like is this high school? i'm like oh wait no the whole plot is so he doesn't want to take his sat yeah. so i'm like okay good but like as soon as he remembered that cause, like that's the only real high school related <laughs> thing that has any significance to anything in this movie i mean you can make connections right like small town you know like we said like his high school friends the sat thing is big it definitely qualifies but bmx becomes the movie <laughs> yes and i was thinking aunt becky the whole way as well we already mentioned talia shire she plays crew's mom um, i'm not going to mention everybody but there are some people on this list that i really want to point out one of them is ray walston and he's that like town dude who kind of is in league with the bad guys and eventually funds team rad and uh you know he was famous disney star from like my favorite martian back in the day but fans of this podcast or at least teen movies will recognize mm-hmm. him as mr hand from fast times yes which i am very much looking forward to when you cover it. we've covered it now on two different podcasts on both cinemakers for amy heckerling and very very briefly another connection to this movie it was nicholas cage's first movie as he plays yes. brad's bud <laughs> very true but yeah mr hand is great and he's great in this movie too like he doesn't have as as significant as iconic a role as mr hand but like he's still he's great in this movie he's a great actor like hands down one person i was surprised to see here as a fan of the olympics is bart connor who plays okay. bart taylor bart connor is like for a time, the most decorated male gymnast in U.S. gymnastics history. Really? I didn't know that. Okay. Wow. And I know him because he was on the broadcast team for years. He might still be on the broadcast team. Interesting. Okay. Okay. And he married uh, Mrs. or Ms. I don't know, Ms. Perfect 10 herself, Nadia Komenich. Oh, so, wow. Okay. So I'm like, what? Why is he playing a, uh, <laughs> why is he playing like a bad guy BMXer? But when I watched some of the uh, special features basically he's on the special features a lot he was featured a lot in like advertisements people knew him that was like casting uh i don't know name an olympian any olympian right you know how they're so hot after the olympics yeah it was like doing something like that he won his medals in the 1984 olympics okay this shoots in 85, comes out in 86. So he's a household name. He's on Wheaties boxes and stuff, and he's looking to transition into acting. Eventually, he'll transition into coaching and broadcasting. The acting thing, I'm not going to say it didn't work out because I thought he did a great job. It's like a blonde-haired, typical 80s villain here. But people would have known him at the time, and the director was very keen on hiring him. And this is something Talia Shire said in the commentary. Because the director didn't care so much about acting. She didn't say that. I'm kind of saying that. <laughs> but like the biggest things for, for him were athleticism and movement and things like that. Being such a stunt guy. And he saw in Bart Connor like the perfect person to put into situations in terms of movement. I mean, again highly respected gymnast i get it and i don't know what do you think of his performance in this film i think he's a good villain i think he's a great 80s villain i think what works well and like i was kind of not really joking when i bring up rocky four but like 
the similarities between these two movies is that you could say that they're maybe not objectively good movies, but they're both able to tell a story through action and montage, and you're able mm-hmm. to like feel emotional connection to like Rocky training on a mountain or like crew training to do like a back. You know what I mean? Like it's all this stuff where whether it's the good guy or the bad guy, you know what's going on without dialogue, with just kind of energy and feel and momentum, right? And I think that they're both doing a good job of propelling the story and like you kind of just need like that handsome sort of all-american kind of like evil dude like he just fills the shortcut to that role so well absolutely i think you know maybe olympic press conferences and just having the spotlight on him like prepped him for this kind of role because for this to be like your first role and do it i'm not gonna say it's easy like but we see this role a lot he didn't innovate anything but he played this 80s villain like the billy zabka role almost to a t couple quick people I want to mention, nothing like of crazy note, but the police officer, Sergeant Smith, is played by a guy named H.B. Haggerty. And I'm like, this guy looks tough, and I wanted to know where he was from. He's actually a former professional wrestler. I'm a wrestling fan. I'd never heard of this guy, but maybe people familiar with the old AWA in the Midwest and Minnesota region would be familiar with what the HB stands for. His wrestling name was Hard Boiled Haggerty. That's too awesome not to say. I love that. <laughs> and then the twins, Rex and Rod, are played by Chad Hayes and Carrie Hayes. They grew up as actors because they were Doublemint twins, if you remember those okay. old Doublemint okay. ads. But now they're pretty successful screenwriters in Hollywood. They write a lot of uh, horror films. They wrote The Conjuring, House of Wax, <laughs> The Reaping. Like I don't really? know these movies, but I've heard of them, you know. That's yeah. amazing. Okay, yeah. I mean, The Conjuring is great. I have not seen House of Wax. I don't believe that it's great, but that's that's impressive. I'm very impressed by that. Yeah, so I was like, that's what a career path, huh? <laughs> so, yeah, I just wanted to mention those two. Was there anyone else you really recognized? Because there wasn't for me. I don't think so. I think we covered all of them. There were a couple that I made note of last night. Oh, Alfie Wise. I don't remember. He played Elliot Dole. He was in Cannonball Run. He played Batman in Cannonball Run. Gotcha. Because I was basically just like opening people's names up like on Letterboxd. And I was like, oh, like, I know people. But yeah, I mean, the big ones are Lori Lachlan, Talia Shire. And I didn't know about Bart Connors. So I'm glad you brought that up. But yeah, those are the, I mean, the two, I think the two leading ladies are kind of the two, I guess, people, the ones that people would know. And I guess Jack Weston was a name at the time. He did Dirty Dancing. He did a bunch of stuff. He plays Duke, like the main antagonist, but I wasn't too familiar with him. All right, so we talked a little bit about this opening, this really long, rad opening. Mm-hmm. Kind of moves to a scene where we see that they're paper boys. I wanted to mention that. So I want to take this time to ask you, Joey, were you a bike guy growing up? Were you a BMX guy? Were you a paper boy, perhaps? Oh, no, I was not. I, I learned to ride my bike later. I think not like later in life, but like later in childhood. And I've never been a huge bike rider. I actually bought a bike last fall used on craigslist because like i really want a bike my friends were like don't buy like an actual new bike just like buy like a cheap like but decent bike on craigslist and see if you actually want to so i was like oh that's a good idea so i bought one of those so i have that so i've been using that a little bit never a paper boy i had a couple jobs in high school i worked at a grocery store and an ice cream store but i never delivered paper boys the closest i got to it i guess would be the nes version of paper boy like that was the closest which i loved <laughs> i loved that game but i was never a real life paper boy yeah i re- i wasn't a huge like bmx guy i rode my bike but i remember it was really popular growing up and we used to see these mongoose you know bikes and gt bikes and dino bikes a lot of the brands that you'll see here and this is when a lot of these brands were kind of just starting out i find it so fascinating that the bad guy 
Duke or something. I just said his name before. Duke Best. He's supposed to be apparently the president of Mongoose, and he's evil, and that's like a real company. I'm like, they signed off on that? <laughs> but but I guess to get their bikes in the movie, but it's just so funny that like the president of Mongoose is like, sure, I'll be an evil character. Like I'll be depicted <laughs> as an evil guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I just found that fascinating. What I do like about this movie early on is that despite the Rocky Four kind of constant montages and bike races and trick montages and all that, we do learn a lot fairly quickly. I don't have too many questions, right? Like, we learn who the preppy kids are. We learn that, you know, he needs to take his SATs again. We see that little romance again between his, like, BMX friends, the girl and the guy. Mm -hmm. And we learn very quickly that they kind of put up this impromptu qualifying race to be in the big, big final at hell track what a name right like love it and and the prize is a hundred thousand dollars and a new corvette so this movie is effective at teaching us a lot early yeah like you know very quickly what the main conflict is right because he wants to race in the thing because this is his passion and his mom's like no i want you to go to college i need you to learn i need you to go to the sats take the sats because i need you to like have a future essentially and that drives him a little bit crazy and i think you know as simple as this is like it is just basically a movie where like kids run bikes and stuff like that i think it works like it establishes the central dynamic between like him and the friends, the bad guys coming in, the whole like the the through line of the movie, which is Hell Track, and also the main conflict is him against his mom. Yeah, and uh, we also learn that his father's passed away. We see that a lot in high school movies, as I've discussed. You get what what the stakes are fairly quickly. You know, he's not the most rich kid in town. He has a job. His mom is working a lot too to support the family. You're set up. You're set up for this guy being our hero. Um, you know, he picks up his sister on the bike and stuff, you know? My He's a good guy. My sister, by the way, is the greatest character in this movie. <laughs> and the best thing that maybe I've seen in any movie ever is when she kind of blabs in the kitchen because he comes home and he's, like, trying to figure out how to break the news to his mom <laughs> that he's, like, thinking about maybe skipping the SATs to do Hell Track. And his sister just says it. And he picks her up, crew picks her up, and puts her in a full-size outdoor garbage can that's in their kitchen and puts the lid on, and she just stays in there. Who's going to try qualifying for Hell Track? Okay, that's it. Oh, come on. I'm going to croak in here. You're going to croak in there if you don't shut up. And you'll be sorry. Isn't this the day you're supposed to make up your SATs? I know, Mom, but... But what? You always wanted to go to college. That's been the plan. This is a very important race. Would you look at the stakes here? Besides, I really think I can get this one. I think I've got a chance. You have a chance with an education. I know about that, Mom. But Dad always told me, when your gut talks to you, you listen. Oh. Christopher, that won't wash with me. Just because he's dead doesn't mean anything has changed. I know, mother... I don't want to hear any more about it. I bet Dad would have understood. Oh, shit. And she's, like, <laughs> delivering lines of dialogue from inside the garbage can. And I don't know why the garbage can was in the living room, in the, in the kitchen. I don't know why that was in the script at all. I do not care. It is wonderful. Yeah, she's great. This is a trope that I've noticed a lot and I love. 
the sassy little sister. Give me as many sassy little sisters. What's well, a nice as you want. wrinkle to this though is that normally I think the sassy little sister is against the like like True. she like hates her brother. This girl loves and adores her brother, which I think is like a really kind of refreshing to use a Joe Two word, a wholesome twist, where it's like I don't know why more movies don't like have just like a little sister who like isn't just annoying or isn't <laughs> you know so like antagonistic. Like she just is like I'm all about crew. I want crew to succeed. I'm going to come up with ideas to help them succeed. Like it's a really wonderful dynamic. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean it's again Great, great. She is great. I was going to mention too quickly, like this town, it's interesting that this bike race and the hell track are in this little town. There's clearly some business scheme based around it that I didn't really take the time to understand. It really doesn't matter, right? But when the BMX riders come to town, it is probably the most pathetic parade I have ever seen. It's so pathetic that they're able to stop the car in the middle of the parade and, like, it doesn't disrupt anything. Because I think (laughs) the parade is just probably, like, their two cars, maybe? (laughs) Yeah, it's just, like, it's the teams parading down. One of the teams has, like, a dude doing a trick on top of the truck. But if everyone's in town there, then there's only, like, how much would you say, like, one person deep, two people deep, like, watching this parade? It feels like there's more people in the parade than watching the parade. And there's not that many people in the parade. (laughs) No, it's crazy. The weirdest thing about this is that... There's the the truck with Bart and his two, like, his basically his, like, I don't know what you call him, but it's like, you know, when Lance Armstrong was cheating to win all those Tour de France, and then he had his, like, group of, like, five dudes who, like, is basically their job to, like, make sure other people yeah. don't touch Lance. Like, it's basically that same thing here. Like, the muscles, the enforcer, whatever. And the three of them are in the front, and, like, there's women in the back that are, like, clearly in a relationship with them. And yet they're all still, like, hitting on, like, they're like, oh, check out how hot she is. It's just like, this is a very, like, very clear, oh, these people are douchebags that we're not supposed to like. Like, these are just unlikable people. These are the bad guys. And I think it's, again, like, a weird, like, why is this happening? But it also, like, it works. Yeah, it's just reinforcing that they're bad guys. Uh, I do wonder that since Bart Connor, this was his first acting gig, really, that if they name the character Bart Taylor because of because of that, you see that a lot, right? Like, so when they say Bart, like, he knows what he's talking about. But his name is Bart, and when he leaves his little car to get autographs from, like, those girls in the crowd, like, he just jackass, you know? <laughs> yeah. And Lori Loughlin is, like, alone, <laughs> you know, in her own little vehicle, but her hair is glorious. Glorious. Oh, of course. And I love that she has power windows because that's able to like have her do like to push the button to like get the thing up to like block Bart from the car. Like it's a great, <laughs> great little visual gag. Oh yeah, it's really great. So I was going to ask you, do you think that all these BMX riders are also of high school age? Ah, that's a good question. If I had to guess, I would say to a certain degree they're kind of like recruiting high school kids, and then instead of like it's like an alternate path instead of college, you do this maybe. So I'm guessing they're all probably like 18 to 23 ish. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't really think about it because I don't think you're supposed to think about it. But I think <laughs> I think they're all like young people. I would say they're probably a little older than I mean, they're driving, which isn't necessarily an indicator of anything. But I would guess they're probably college ish age. Yeah, because, you know, I don't think the age difference between like Lori Lachlan and crew is a lot. Right. They seem like they're around the same age. They're certainly treating each other like they're around the same age. I was really confused by this being someone who's like, oh, this is a high school movie like should they be in school or do they have tutors like on the tour? I don't know. I know I should, again, I shouldn't be thinking about this, but it's part of my job here on high school slumber party. And it leads me to this next glorious scene 
the dance. I oh, want the to greatest. talk about the greatest. The greatest dance. It's amazing. This is not a school dance, right? I think it is. Well, mm, unclear because <laughs> like they're talking about it at school, but they just call it, I think, the dance. Yeah. I want to say it's taking place at school. I don't know if it's a school-sanctioned dance or not. I don't know. Because, like, why would you be like, hey, here are all these, like, professional riders, and <laughs> let's let's send them to the high school. But you could be right. It could be something that's like a welcome dance that they just happen to host at school. They want the young people to mingle. I get it. And honestly, again, what a glorious, glorious scene. It's bike dancing. They're literally dancing with their bikes. Yeah, and it's to the song thundering your heart no 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 no. sorry it's to the wait what's hold on what is the song it's send me an angel oh my god yeah, how can send i forget me that an angel. oh my god who's that kid i don't know what factory is he in i don't know what do you mean you don't know it's your job to know find out send me Like, they're doing things, it's very clearly not Bill Allen and Lori Laughlin on the bikes, because, no. like, the bike's not really in the shot. And like This is like, the st- moment I said that, like, everywhere else, I was totally cool with the stunts. It was almost flawless, especially for the time. In this scene, th- there's even, like, a man double. And when I was watching the uh, yeah. when I was watching the commentary, they confirmed that, like, it was a guy doing Lori Laughlin. Oh, yeah, very clearly a dude, yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's, it's so wonderful. Like, they just they lean into it. Like, the bike's basically going around in a circle and they're like standing on it and like doing like pirouettes and just it's all in slow motion and it's majestic it's kind of like a sharks versus the jets rumble but like just on bikes but like glorious and celebratory and like i don't understand any of it like why (laughs) this works at all but it is the greatest the outfits they're wearing too oh god amazing amazing apparently some of them were stolen from a film called v but i didn't know what v was so I wasn't is V sure. the alien invasion movie? I don't know. <laughs> there was like a TV show in the eighties called V, I think, and then they rebooted it, I think, with Marina Baccarin like fifteen years ago. I think it's an alien invasion thing, unless it's something different. That would make sense. <laughs> Those outfits kind of would go with any eighties movie, but I think also it would make sense for a, a alien invasion. I think. I think. <laughs> but it's so great. It's so glorious. It's like just it's something you have to watch and see. It might be you know one of the more iconic. Oh, yeah. moments of the film i think when people see this film it's something they remember most whenever you get like rollerblade tails or skateboard tails and there's a dance you know someone's going to incorporate something into it i never thought it would be to this level it's a full-on dance-off with bikes and this is where they fall in love this is their mating <laughs> dance essentially and it works we've seen him in previous scenes flirt with his bicycle before so this is no surprise and yeah, to the girl that he has a crush on who like could not care less about him <laughs> He's basically like a like a little kid, like, hey, mom, look at me. Hey, mom. Hey, mom, look at me. But, like, he's doing it to the girl he's got a crush on, and she does not care. I don't know. I don't know what any of these tricks are, but, like, he's, like, holding the handlebars steady and, like, kicks the bottom of the bike around, doing, like, legitimately cool things and, like, zero interest. Zero. Zero. <laughs> but that's what makes it great to me. Like, I, I love it. It reminds me, too, of, uh, like, 50s movies or movies that take place in the 50s where people used to, like, rev their car engine uh-huh. in or something like that. Instead, he's doing it with a bike. Yeah. 
this is American graffiti, but on bikes. It's not. It's not at all American graffiti <laughs> on bikes. But like, it, I wanted to say that, but I realized as soon as I was saying it, it's not. Again, this isn't Cinemakers. This isn't a podcast where we talk about the greatest things ever. This, for me, did you have fun watching this movie is a main thing. And this movie, you cannot not have fun watching this movie. I was thinking of so many people I wanted to share this movie with. I'm like, oh, this friend would love this movie. This friend would love this movie. It's silly, but it's wholesome. I say this a lot on the show, but it definitely applies here. This is a harmless film. What is it, an hour and a half? Yeah, and like, again, this is the kind of movie where you could just not pay attention to a scene and like still know. Like, you go to the bathroom with, without pausing it. You could get a drink without pausing it. Like, you don't really need to like pay attention, but like, the more you pay attention, the more wonderful this is. Yeah, absolutely. There's not even a lot of questions I have. I don't think this is going to be a two-hour long episode, and that's not because the movie is bad or no, boring I think, or anything. I think a lot of the credit of that is like what you were saying before, that like they set everything up so effectively in the first like 20 minutes, you don't really have to pay attention to the beginning but if you pay attention like okay cool i know who these characters are i get the conflict i get where he wants to do what he's passionate about we're good and then like it's like hell track comes it it just feels like i can't believe i'm already an hour into this movie but i'm like how is there still like half an hour left like it feels (laughs) like i'm watching for longer than i am but there's still more like it just time doesn't really make sense within the world of rad yeah yeah and again if you made every race and every montage 30 seconds this movie would probably be an hour long or something along, along those yeah. lines. I mean, the same thing, like Rocky is 85 minutes and it's probably 25 or 30 minutes of montages, another 15 of flashbacks, another like 20 of fighting. Like there's only like 20 minutes of actual plot in Rocky Four. I timed it once. I forgot what I had it at. And people have timed it online. I'm not the only one to do that. But it's something like that. It depends what you count to as like currently happening in, happening in a flashback. Because some of the flashbacks are happening when a current thing is happening yeah. in Rocky, mm-hmm. you know? Like he's thinking while he's trying Training. So that's the controversial internet thing is like, does this count as a flashback? But it's still a montage, right? So. Right. But also, like, you don't need to know because they established Russian bad, Rocky good. Rocky need to avenge fallen friend. Like, that's like that's the movie, right? And, like, he just has to beat the man who looks like the villain in an 80s movie. Like, that's just – and that he does, right? Like, that's that's the movie. And, like, sorry spoilers for Rocky, but, like, that's that's what Rocky Four is. That's what every Rocky is, kind of, right? Like, it's the underdog story where he eventually wins or doesn't sometimes. We recently got a lot of uh, – we're getting a lot of Talia Shire news with one the release of rad and stuff she's doing a lot of press stuff but another thing is i think we talked about it that apparently sylvester stallone has a recut of rocky four and we're like why like people love that movie anyway for what it is it's an ego thing it's like oh some people are criticizing that there's not enough meat on the bone like whatever man it's rocky (laughs) four i don't get it i don't get it i don't want it but i will watch it i will watch it for sure but like, hey, dude, can you maybe recut Rocky Five or Rocky Balboa or something? Not that one. Yeah, please. <laughs> the other news that came out of actually like a rad interview or a press junket or something. I don't know if they're actually doing press junkets now. But you know what I mean. There was like a Q&A with Talia Shire about rad. It might have been for Mondo, but it might have been for like Uproxx or something. But she mentioned, and I mentioned this to our good friend Mike Manzi, that apparently there's going to be another cut of the godfather 3 coming out soon so talia shire getting getting a rebirth of a lot of her films these days (laughs) very fascinating i mean i know that last year or maybe two years ago coppola put out the what they call the final cut or something the definitive cut maybe of apocalypse now so i guess and that's apparently good you know like i don't know that we need to recut all these old movies but you know if you're gonna make them better i guess i don't know I like that cut. I have issues with it as well, but this is not an Apocalypse Now podcast. Not yet. That would take forever. (laughs) Yeah, not yet. Not yet. That's what we spin off to. Uh. (laughs) It's a spin off that makes absolutely no sense. Apocalypse Now Forever. You just watch every version 
every week. Apocalypse Forever. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, <laughs> so let's see. What else can we talk about? We already mentioned this whole SAT plot. Well, we need to talk about ass sliding. Oh, of course. The whole love montage. Master, thank you for the dance last night. You're welcome. You took off so quick, I thought maybe there was something about me you didn't like. No. No, that's not it. You know, you're really pretty good on that bike. I mean, you picked up that move like that. Well, I didn't have much of a choice, did I? <laughs> so are you going to ride Hell Track? No. No, I kind of wish I could, but I still race for trophies. See, my factory sent me here for kind of a show-and-tell thing. You know, this really is beautiful. Yeah. Bet you have a lot of fun around here. Fun? You want to see fun? Here, follow me. It's bad. Yes, once crew and what's Lori Loughlin's name? Christian, of course. How could you Christian. forget Christian? Because I don't think of her as a Christian. Sorry. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> it's not. She's not a Christian. That's why. <laughs> yeah. And again, not in not any like religious sense. Just like <laughs> no. any. That's not a, like toward the end of the movie. Like they refer. I'm like, who's Christian? I was like, oh, she. Like again, fourth time I've watched it, and I'm like, she's Christian. Okay, sure. Let's let's do it. Okay. The little girl has like a. Uh... A guy's name, too. It's like Weston or Wesley or something? Something like that. I'm not criticizing, but I was confused. I'm like, who's Wes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Her name is Wesley Jones. <laughs> because I think I just watched the new movie Desperados with Nassim Pedrada on Netflix. I think her name is Wes, too. So, like, huh. I love these. I don't want to say non-conventional, but these names that, you know, you wouldn't normally think of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So, Christian and crew go on one of another great montage of... I don't know, lovey-duddy things. It never gets sexual, never gets... Do they even kiss? Uh, they do at one point where, like, there's a very tender moment. He's like, if I if I race in Hell Track, will you be there? She's like, of course I will. And, like, he's they're standing on a log in the water, and he's holding her from behind, yes. but they're both fully clothed. Just, like, holding her waist like it's, like, a perfume ad, and then she turns her head, and they make out like that. But, yeah, it's, like, it's very... <laughs> PG. It seems like dating is just old-timey, like, I'm just going with it. There's nothing even remotely suggestive about any of this. And even when, like, he gets popular, is this before or after he wins the qualifying? This is before? It doesn't I want to say, I don't I don't know. It doesn't matter. This movie's a blur. I don't, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. It also doesn't matter. But I mean, we'll talk about the qualifying race after we talk about this love montage anyway, but after he does win the qualifying race, he gets popular with the ladies in town, and he's, like, so repulsed by them. He's like, ugh, I'm a good guy. I'm dating someone now, you know? It's really funny. Are those ladies in town or are those ladies who have come in? I thought oh, they were right. like mongoose groupies, right? Yeah, they're mongoose groupies. You're right. They stick out like a sore thumb on the street. Yeah, their hair is more feathered than <laughs> the other women. <laughs> yes, but this love montage is just epic. It's amazing. And there's, yes, the ass, what do you call it? The ass lighting or whatever? So that, this is how I knew that, this, that the movie had subtitles because I was like, did he just, like, I, I, I knew I had heard it before in past viewings, but I was like, I gotta know. Because, like, the <laughs> <laughs> bootleg version I had this before did not have 
subtitles and obviously and so i put and it says this is ass sliding and it's like voiceover it's like adr <laughs> after the fact and they both are fully clothed and again he's behind her holding on to her like around her waist and they slide down like a flume into a river and just get soaked but then the greatest thing in, in the world is that at the end before the final hell track he's got like this bundle of nerves and he just says to her god what i wouldn't give to go ass sliding with you right now <laughs> God, what I wouldn't give to go ass sliding with you right now. Like, I don't know why he keeps calling it that. Like, there's got to be a better name. And again, in such a PG movie, it's not played for laughs. It's literally like, aww, kind of romantic moment. Like, call it like river diving or river sliding or just sliding or swimming, but ass sliding. Amazing. Oh, man. I know how this get made makes, like, t-shirts after their show. I hope they made an ass sliding t-shirt. I don't know if they were doing that to the t-shirts back then, but for sure I would hope that they were, because, man, <laughs> man, oh, man. <laughs> oh, it's glorious. It's, it's glorious. Wonderful. It's wonderful. So the next scene I really quickly want to talk about is that qualifying race, which he ends up winning. I know that race wasn't as hard, but it looks so different than the race we get later. This is more like a cross-country kind of race, you know? Like a rally, they were racing over fields and stuff. I guess, what do you think of this or first race we get? The first oh, big the qualifying? race. I think it was good. I think it, it feels like there are, the rules are very loose. Like there are people taking shortcuts. It's yeah. kind of like anything goes, but not really. Or people don't realize that it's anything goes. But I liked it. I mean, it's a good race. I loved it. I loved how they shot it. But you're right. It was more like get from point A to point B, no matter how you do it kind of yeah. thing, which is interesting, mm-hmm. which is fun, but definitely not what the race we get later is. Right. So it, it's like he had to use a different skill set. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Again, interspliced in here are like town meetings and conspiracies. Basically, Mongoose set this whole thing up to win and to, you know, make their bikes look awesome. And they don't want a real competitor. You know, the Duke guy, I almost called him Bill Duke. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely I love not- Bill Duke. He's definitely not Bill Duke. Duke Best. Duke Best tries to essentially like buy him off, but you know, Crew is you know a man of honor, and he won't do that. The problem is he needs to get a sponsor, and at first it's like I don't know, like a couple thousand dollars to join like um, the main race that he's qualified for and have a sponsor. So he accomplishes that by selling rad T-shirts. Great mm-hmm. marketing. Great marketing if they wanted to like make this film bigger because those those shirts are selling like hotcakes now, but they should have been at the time. <laughs> Eventually, he earns his way in the race, and the guy ups the amount again to screw him over. Yeah, it's frustrating. Like if I was making note, and I was just like, okay, adding a sponsor feels like a kind of an arbitrary rule change to keep crew out. Like I could see how you could justify that, right? And then he gets a sponsor, they have this whole idea, and then them adding on the minimum threshold of what you have to sell. I'm like, this just feels like bullshit. Like, it just smells like you're, you're rigging it. Like, at first, it's like, oh, I can kind of see that, but this is like, hold on, guys, just don't let him race. Yeah, it's so weird. And remember, yes, you get a really nice car, but the prize is $100,000, and it's $50,000 to enter? I know you're still getting $50,000, but that doesn't seem right. You know, like think of how many, how much they're collecting, and they're only giving a hundred thousand dollars away to the winner. I don't know. I don't know how the economics work, but I guess it's more of a lucrative career. I don't know. Fair, fair. But eventually, he gets his sponsorships. Everyone in town pitches in. He gets a uh, what do you, what do they call that? Last minute investor to come in, like an angel investor or something like that. And it's the dude. It's the uh, it's Mr. Hand. Mr. Hand. Basically, he was in league with the mongoose people, but he's like, fuck this. 
I support this town. This kid has potential. Let's do it. Yeah, he buys $27,000 worth of t-shirts. Yes. And it's great. <laughs> and Team Rad is back in force. And I love his BMX, like, Team Rad uniform, right? And I saw they were oh, selling that best. online, too. I want to say that I bought... I told you that I bought the shirt on Amazon last night. It's the Rad mm-hmm. Racing. It's the red shirt with, like, the black. What they're using, basically, dye or paint, whatever. They're roller painting it on, right, with the roller brush. Yeah. And... I bought it for $13. I would like to think that, like, the $10 shirts that Mr. Hand bought, he's still unloading all these years. But he's like, hey, $3 profit on each. Like, you can't complain about that. I'm, like, not into buying movie props, but that would be a great movie prop to buy. Like, an unused actual shirt from the production. I'm sure it's faded by now or destroyed. Or Well, what I love, what I wanted is that you see crew, he's got, like, the sweatshirt. Like, he's the only one with the sweatshirt. But it's like, yeah, just put it on anything, right? You have the stencil. Yeah. Just paint anything with it. I mean, they're able to hook him up pretty fast in terms of, like, legit gear and stuff. So good for them in this town supporting yeah. their local hero. Yeah. You know, him and his mom are fighting because, again, the big bike race is the day of his SAT tests, which... He later negates. I don't know if you remember, but he's like, I could take it at any time. Well, he hears somebody say that their cousin pushed it off for six months or whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, I could just do it again. Like, when you take the SATs, there are multiple times in the season where you could take, I mean, unless things were different in the 80s. But I remember, like, it was basically every weekend or, like, you know, two or three yeah. weekends a month for a couple of months. Because it's like, yeah, everybody needs to take this. And we know that everybody's not going to be available on this one given day. We need to give multiple options. So, like... I don't know why it feels the like stakes an artificial weren't that conflict, high. but yeah. yeah, but it's okay. It doesn't because it doesn't matter. Even though Talia Shire's selling it, like the stakes are high. You're right. He could take this, as, and he's right. He could take the SATs anytime he wants. You might as well go for the hundred thousand dollars, considering everyone in town has like pitched in for you to be here. You're not going to yeah. let them down and be like, "I'm going to take my SATs." I get it. That's probably more important in the also, long run. Also, if the town is that invested in his success, the town would move the SAT date. <laughs> Why would they schedule the SATs on the same day as this race when presumably the entire town is there to watch this race? I don't know, man. Somebody messed up. Someone screwed up. Absolutely. Someone screwed up. (laughs) All right. So what's your favorite part of this ending here? My favorite part is probably the like three full minutes they spend introducing racers that we do not know and do not care about. Oh my God. This reminded me of episode one, Pod Racing. Right, oh, like. yeah, yeah. I see the contestants are making their way out onto the starting grid. I see Ben Quadraneros from the twin system. T-time winner, Bo's Roar. Oh, Odie Mandrell, you know. <laughs> well, he is a, he's from a high school out of town, and, uh, you know, he's going to, he's hoping that to win this so he can help his sister. Or what, it's just like, who, I don't care. You're all going to put on helmets. I don't know who any of you are. Crew is wearing the crew thing. We know the mongoose people. That's all we need. But they show off like 20 people for literally no, no like joke. two or three 20. minutes. Yeah, I loved it. It's so silly. And it's the same shot, too. It's like a broadcast shot, like move on to the next person. Yeah. And they're not interspicing it with like crew getting ready or nervous or he forgot something, you know. It's literally like, move on to the next guy. Move on to the next guy. (laughs) They show everybody. Like, I love sports. I love baseball. I love the All-Star game. But I hate at the All-Star game where they have everybody they call one at a time out of the dugout. It's like... Yeah, I don't have 15 minutes. Like, I get that they want to get applauded for, but, like, let's speed this up, guys. Like, we don't need this. It's just, oh, boy. 
<laughs> oh my god, it's great. I hypothesized that it was that like a lot of these people were stuntmen probably. And they're like, oh, we want to, you know, get you in the movie somehow. Which I love, just... yeah. Because <laughs> they were waving and and they looked legit. I don't know. And, and they would say their hometowns, too. For not all of them, but some of them. Great moment. Great moment. I hope there's a clip of that online because I, I really want to drop that clip in. All three minutes of it just to torture you. <laughs> Was this, I think I read something, and I think you probably read the same thing. I think it was Helltrack that they couldn't. Like, the people couldn't complete the entire thing, so they just shot segment by segment for, like, two weeks. They built it too difficult. They had to lower things. No one could do a full lap, and these were the best BMX riders (laughs) in the world at the time. I mean, it's called Hell Track. What do you expect? I get it, but no one wants a track that they can't can't complete. (laughs) There's some movie, and it might be the movie, it might be one of the ones that I'm going to recommend in the Rent 2 Get One Free in this episode, but there's some movie, there's, like, some crazy thing like this. Like, I love movies that just, like, all right, like, it's the final race, but we got to do three laps. It's like, I mean, I get that that's realistic, but, like, just do, like, one lap or something. It feels like when you do, like, multiple laps, it feels like it, it's robbing each lap kind of of, like, the narrative drama of a movie, but I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? I mean, the only way that works is, like, again, I'm going to bring back episode one on pod racing. If the laps are really long and you could see someone almost get lapped and then catch up, you know, but that's not the case here. No. Well, we did learn about everyone's history, so we're invested in 20 people right now. So I don't know. Maybe they yeah. need three laps to tell 20 stories. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you do. <laughs> and honestly, we know he wins, but it's such a great, fun ending. I don't know like how it happens. Or I should say, I don't remember how it happens, right? Like I know a lot of people don't make that one weird jump. That's almost completely like vertical. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but it's great. And we have a awesome, we don't have a coda here. We don't have like a what happens next here. We just get one of those glorious end of sports movie endings where it's just like the dude wins, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. Any other thoughts on the race and the ending of Rad? No, I don't think so. I mean, I love this ending. I love the movie. I don't think the, I think the movie ends perfectly just you know crew wins that's all you need the only note i have is hell track crew wins <laughs> exactly right i didn't have too many notes for this film because most of it's montage what am i gonna say oh he made a right here he got through this mud here you know <laughs> like you just gotta watch it you just gotta watch it but it gives you a good feeling the entire time this is a fun fun movie i can't say that enough yeah agreed i obviously love this movie I'm glad that you loved it too. It would have been very... I, I know that you are probably predisposed to liking movies that guests come on and are passionate about. You seem to try to like everything on, that you cover in the show, which I appreciate. But I would have been so bummed if you did not like this movie. I showed Chris Podcast this movie, and Chris Podcast hates everything. And even <laughs> he liked this movie. Like, he thought it was dumb, which it is. But, like, he enjoyed it. You know, if, if I can get him, I can get anybody. It, it depends on how you view things and how open-minded you are. But this one, I feel like... Okay, he's a guest we're going to have on in a couple weeks, I think, but we both know Austin, Mm -hmm. and he loves some weird stuff, stuff we've covered on here, and I already recorded my episode with him, and his philosophy is great, and I love it, and that's what I was saying to him. It sounded like I was blowing smoke up his ass, but like, I love how open-minded you can be, and how appreciative of something that other people trash, but I feel like this is not that, like, this is not us 
you know, sugarcoating something silly or like the room or something, you know? No, this like I genuinely have a movie. smile on my face the entire time I watch this movie. Like you could tell that the people who made it made something that they loved making. And like they didn't care if it was good or not. Like it, I know that they wanted to make a good movie. They wanted to be successful because everybody wants that. But like you can feel the joy coming from this movie and it's just fun and it's easy to watch and like things work out. It's great. Like it's it's not great, but it's great. Exactly. This is not a black and white thing in terms of you know film right like there are different reasons why you can enjoy something and this is again this is enjoyable because it's enjoyable because it's just pure fun Mm -hmm. (laughs) anything else you wanted to mention with rad or we'll go to our questions the only thing I wanted to point out was that in the beginning, in the paperboy delivery scene, I love how precisely they know where everybody is, even when dudes are like on a fishing boat or there's a fire truck coming down the road or there's whatever. <laughs> I love all that. And I also love what they very clearly just like, it looked like an old timey car windshield where the top was like the sun visor, but they just put like red coloring over the top of the lens or not even top of the lens, like top of the screen to like make it seem like it was 5 a.m. But it's very clearly not 5 a.m. But there are certain shots where like there was sky is just like bright pink and when i watched the bootleg version i was like i wonder if this is like intentional if it's gonna look better and like it probably looks even worse in 4k because like it just stands out more but i love that they have basically tried to dye the sky to make it seem like oh no they're actually delivering this at five o'clock in the morning (laughs) yeah it sets such a cool tone for the movie too not just tone wise as we say but visually as well yeah if that's the you know last thing you want to mention for red let's move on to these awards sure some of these might be tough i don't know but wooderson award is there a character you would have liked to see more of west the sister of course yep that's who i had as well i would have also liked to see more of his friends as we kind of discussed a little bit because i liked the dynamic between the girl and that guy and they just kind of ended up being together and we didn't really see what was going on there. So I would have, yeah, the sister or for me, a little bit more high school elements. Um, I would like to see him more balancing that as well. Yes, I know the SAT stuff too, but he seems like he just gave up on school. Like every BMX rider, apparently. (laughs) I would like to see more of his friends too, especially like the two friends he delivers papers with, but it does feel like their story concludes. Like I like... It's true, yeah. And I know that you're a big sitcom guy and like TV has the problem of jumping a shark, jumping the shark where like things happen like the show has to continue because it's it's successful or like it's a hit but like they don't want to get rid of characters they don't want to get rid of actors because like they're great to work with they're great characters but like the characters run out of things to do and then it's like different in a movie because like the movie is a movie and it's not like an ongoing thing but like in this movie it's essentially like they don't let these characters jump the shark they're like cool like crew finds a girlfriend and now they can date and they're happy like that's just kind of like oh their story's done and they just go away you're right i guess they have a happy ending their happy ending just comes like in the middle of the movie you just don't really see that in movies (laughs) right i mean they kind of you know outlive their usefulness so they go away (laughs) okay long duck dong award a character whose omission would make this film better i don't think there's anything that i saw that was like racist in the film except that there's only white people but it is what it is but was there any character who you would delete to make the film better I don't think so. I think that, again, it's not really about the characters, right? It's kind of about archetypes, and it's kind of about just the conflict, and kind of about, you know, Crew's internal struggle or whatever. And I think that it's it works. Yeah, I couldn't really come up with anyone for this one. I thought even, you know, like the twins were useful to me. As much as I liked it, maybe I'll say they could have cut a minute off the intro scene, so maybe some <laughs> of those BMX riders, I don't know. <laughs> but that's a stretch. All right, Cameron Fry Award. Did anyone look too old to play a high schooler? So I made note of this. I tried to figure it out. I looked up, and both Bill Allen and Lori Laughlin were 22 or 23. They look close enough. And I also think it's the 80s thing where everybody kind of looks like 
their 30 just because that's what the 80s clothes and hair looked like yeah, sort yeah. of i think everybody was fine i think it all like you know once you throw in a helmet like it doesn't really matter what they look like right yeah no one really applied here again just because we also can't figure out if the bmx riders are high schoolers anyway some of them looked older but they could not be in high school you know so it doesn't really matter and we don't get enough high school to really meet a lot of people here or there to really see that. You know, we don't see, like, inside a lot of classrooms, and there's not, like, a guy with a beard or something. So, you know, kind of not enough information here. But everyone looked good. And like you said, once they put the helmet on, it really doesn't matter. Exactly. All right, I already said what the Rotten Tomatoes score is, but mm-hmm. just a reminder, 29% from the critics, 90% from the audience. But, Joey, I have a feeling what you might score this film, but I'll ask anyway. Report card grade for Rad. So, like, is this the best movie that I've covered with you? No, absolutely not. Is this maybe objectively the worst movie? Maybe, possibly. Is this going to be the highest grade I give it? Probably. (laughs) Again, like, recently you did 3 o'clock high. You gave it, like, A's or A-plus across the board. I'm like, really? I haven't seen that movie, but I was just like, really? And then here, I know that if I was listening to this episode, I'd be like, really? But A-plus. It's a perfect movie. And I put, there was a thing on Twitter a couple months ago where it was, like, that meme going around, like, name five perfect movies and tag five friends. And I put Rad in my first five. And Nick Jenkins, the host of Real Bad on this network, responded. He's just like, I never thought I would see a Hal Needham movie on one of these lists. I was like, hey, man, (laughs) Rad is perfect. (laughs) Well, the thing, you know, with 3 O'Clock High, movies are about experiencing them and having fun, but also experiencing them with people. You know, Charlie loved the movie. I'm not saying I didn't love the movie, but I really thought it was a fun movie, right? Like, these aren't letterbox grades, you know? These are just... Did you enjoy it in the high school slumber party way? So I don't know. I think I gave that an A minus. And that's what I'm going to give this film as well, an A minus. And it's just because, again, is it the perfect movie? No, but it is so fun. And I sound like a broken record, but for me, one of the marks of a good movie is even if I don't enjoy it, which I did, but even if I don't enjoy it, if I could think of a bunch of people who I could give this to and I know they would love it, that is something that I really value in a movie. Yeah, like your friend Wesley. I don't know if Wesley's listening, but he would love this movie. Maybe. I mean, he loves bikes. I think he would. (laughs) But yeah, I have a lot of friends from back home who rode bikes, and a lot of friends from back home would just get a kick out of the music. Great soundtrack. Like you mentioned, it's way too expensive to buy, but great soundtrack. And there's apparently a track on the soundtrack that was recorded for the film. Oh, that's lost, right? Yeah, it's lost because it's in the movie, but you can't, like, rip it from the movie without the dialogue. Everything's been, like, fused together at this point, and it was never put on the soundtrack, so there's no recording of it except in the movie somewhere. Which is kind of beautiful. Which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is a fun one. Sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, what is the guest going to say? But here you have so much you can say. What does your rad sleeping bag look like for our little high school slumber party here? Oh, it's got to be his, his final Hell Track outfit, right? Like, that's the coolest clothes that's ever been in a movie. I want a sleeping bag out of that. <laughs> the crew on the side and stars. Yeah, that outfit's awesome. It would look great on a sleeping bag. Also, just the rad font for the movie is yeah. great, too. Yeah. I think a good <laughs> backup one. is the rad racing, like a red sleeping bag with that on there. But, I mean, the crew at the end, like, how can you not? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> okay, so rent two movies, get one free. You know the segment, but for those of you out there who are not familiar with it, Joey and I are in this magical, mystical blockbuster that defies logic and time. And we are there. And even though it defies logic and time, we have to spend our money wisely. And there's a sale that it's rent two movies, get one free. If our free movie for our slumber party is going to be red, what two movies are we going to rent to earn red? So one of them is going to be the movie that I believe Kate Hudson mentioned on our recent episode when we did Adventures in Babysitting, 
but it's the movie Thrashing, which I think other people have probably mentioned on this podcast. It's mm-hmm. a Josh Brolin movie from the 80s about, it's like another, you know, extreme sports movie from the 80s. Josh Brolin, Sherilyn Fenn from Twin Peaks is in there. Mike Manzi, the Mikester himself, loves this movie. He got me to watch it, and I loved it. So Thrashing, for sure, one of them. Have you seen Thrashing? I haven't. I need to see it for research purposes because it's unclear if that is a high school movie or not. Yeah, I don't remember either. No one could give me a definitive answer who's seen it, and nowhere on the internet does it say it is or isn't, so I need to watch it and do a little research. Yeah, it's a skateboarding movie. It's great. I highly recommend. Oh, also, Anthony Kiedis and Flea are both in there, so I mean, how could you not love it? It looks amazing, I'll say that much. Yeah, it's great. It's really, really good. The other one I would recommend, the other rental, is not a movie that you've covered on here. I don't think a movie you could cover on here, but it's a movie that is tied to a movie you've covered on here that I've talked to you about with Ms. Alexandra Schroeder. Tied to Summer of 84, I'm going to recommend Turbo Kid, which is the other movie by the RKSS Collective, because that is essentially Mad Max on BMX bikes, post-apocalyptic young kid trying to survive on a BMX bike out in the wilderness, out in the the post-apocalyptic wasteland of landscape, and that's a great movie. And again, Great soundtrack, very fun movie, wonderful, lot of fun. Just, I mean, I, that's a great triple feature. Like, like I might watch that even without a slumber party. Like, Thrashing, <laughs> Rad, and Turbo Kid, they're probably all, like, 85 to 90 minutes. You can bang all three of them out. They're all just pure fun the entire time. Love them all. Yeah, that sounds great. Love those picks. One movie I was going to ask you about, because anytime I type this movie, uh, Rad, in Google, this other movie would come up. And it's apparently Nicole Kidman's first film, BMX Bandits. Oh, yes. Have you seen this movie? I believe they're younger than high school age, so I don't think I'll cover it. But what the hell is this? I've seen BMX Bandits. I don't remember. I don't know if I... Oh, I gave it three and a half stars. What did I say? I hope I never forget the scene of these children diving down the slides with their bikes or this movie ending with a foam party for some reason. Well, past <laughs> me, from a little over a year ago, I don't remember either of those things. <laughs> it's good. I think it's good. I think of the three, of BMX Bandits and Thrash and, and Rad, I think it's a very clear third place. But I would definitely say check it out. Also, Nicole Kidman, like I think might be her first movie. And she's yeah. got a very heavy Australian accent in there. I was just like, oh, okay, cool. And I know they're really young. Like From what it looks like, they're under high school age like i said so we'll never cover it i was just curious if you'd seen it, i mean like they're, I said, the first word on letterboxd in the review is or the recap is teens so you can't oh. be, you can't really be a teen unless you're like eighth grade you can't really be a teen without being in high school right so i might need to uh do the research on that one as well i would say do thrashing do bmx bandits enjoy it all like i think you, you covered airborne a while ago Airborne's great too there's a lot of 80s and 90s like extreme sports movies that just don't have much of a plot, but like are just super cool. Absolutely. I'll never forget that final scene in Airborne. It's like, what, 10 minutes of just going downhill. No dialogue. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Well, Joey, this was a blast. I hope it met your expectations. I'm glad you got the forum to talk about this glorious movie. I'm glad you, not convinced me, but I'm glad you mentioned the film to me and I bought it and now I own it. So thank you. Thank you again. Is there anything you want to plug or mention? So, I mean, listen to Too Fast, Too Forever. Right now, probably either very shortly ago or very shortly in the future we're going to do the cruisies the tom cruise award you guys voted on that we're also doing the fast and furious hall of fame we're kicking off lap seven so you voted on that Um, but check out too fast too forever every tuesday and every friday joe two and i joe two the lifetime movie stan and fan from this podcast he and i watch the fast and furious movies on repeat we've got nico and kevo on every episode this lap or at least the core nine movies and this lap is michelle rodriguez leticia ortiz 
slash memory loss slash missing pieces lap. Ooh, um, I can't so, wait to you cover a very bad film that I recommended that yes. I don't even want to watch. There's a couple of people, <laughs> a couple of our patrons recommended very bad films that are just like, it's going to be funny to make you watch this. I'm like, cool, you're paying us, so I get it, but man, oh man. The one I recommended, I felt like I had to pick because it deals with two of the major themes of this lap so amnesia and cars so of course it wasn't just like oh let me just screw them over and the other film i legitimately like that i picked so i'm looking for we were gonna do the other one anyway i I don't think that we would have done so i I mean i mean we could tease i don't think there's very much crossover i don't think that shawnee or any of the other diehard high school summer party fans listen to too fast too forever but we were going to do Blue Crush anyway, because, you know, Wistful Thinking did it on their show, and I was looking forward to seeing that. We covered, uh, what's the one with Paul Walker and Jessica Alba? It's oh, Into the Blue. Into, into the, blue, the Blue, which is yeah, basically yeah. not the same movie, but I think of it as the same movie. And so I'm looking forward to that. But Dude, Where's My Car? I would never have willingly picked. <laughs> uh, so I will let you know that we're doing that very early. That's going to come up in August, at the beginning of August. And your Get other one is going to be end of August. So both of your picks are going to be in August. Well, so. that's my birthday month. So happy birthday happy to birthday me. Happy birthday to you. Wait, when's your birthday? What number? August 21st. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, we can't make it that way. We're having an episode come out on that day, but it's neither of your movies, unfortunately. All good, all oh, good. Oh, your birthday's You're... a Friday, though. Fridays are for fun, especially for your birthday. My birthday's always a Friday. I rigged it like that. No, I'm kidding. Oh, no. very cool. That's very <laughs> weird. That's very cool. Good to know. Guys, send send me gifts, please. No, I'm just joking. To three at cageclub.me. T-H-R-E-E at cageclub.me. <laughs> well, Joey, again, this was a pleasure. And you've been on, you know, a, a fair amount recently. You'll have one at the end of June. Two in July, and at least one in August right now that I see on the calendar. Very and exciting. That'll be... that's, the one, that's the one I know about, right? Yes, in, in our, our babysitting series. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll just tease it that way. Cool. All right, well, thanks so much. Thank you. Big rad thank you to the godfather himself, Joey Lewandowski, for bringing this film to my attention and for joining me on what was a really awesome episode on Rad, I think. Really one of my favorite episodes in a while. That's not to say the other ones have been bad. I kind of probably sound like a broken record because I feel like I'm always like, that was my favorite episode. This is my favorite guest. But I have so much fun on this podcast. All the guests are great. All the movies are great lately, pretty much. I don't know. I'm having so much fun doing this in such a really, really bad year. But let's not talk about how bad 2020 has been. Let's talk about all the fun things happening on our awesome, awesome high school slumber party summer between, what is it, between sophomore year and junior year. What is time? What are days? (laughs) Again, Thank you so much, Joey. I feel like you're going to hear a lot of him this summer for sure. We're going to use our old standbys this summer. We had some new guests. I get that. I get that. And we will continue to have some new guests. But we got to go with our Cage Club Network regulars. And guess what? We have another Cage Club Network regular next episode. And that's a babysitting episode. And that's Monday. And of course, I think he's our most tenured guest. That's Mike Manzi. And the film is... 1979's version, because there's another version, but this is the 1979 version of When a Stranger Calls. Hello? Have you checked the children? What? Hello, could you get me the police? Well, there's nothing you can do about it down here. Uh, Have you checked the children? He's watching me through the windows. Well, if he calls again, we can try to trace it. Why haven't you checked the children? 
Please, can't you help me? I'm all alone here. What do you want? Your blood. just begins when a stranger calls. I know the last babysitting movie was obscure. This one's not so much obscure. I think real good horror fans know it. But, I don't know. We'll talk about it next week. I'm actually really excited because this is a formative horror film. This is like the gimme an F for the horror genre for a lot of directors. And we'll talk more about that again on Monday. It's a babysitting film, though. It's a babysitting Monday. You guys are going to earn your salary. Hope you had fun at this pool party. Fridays are for fun, but Mondays are for work. So take advantage of the weekend, because on Monday, I'm expecting you to report at the same high school slumber party time, the same high school slumber party channel, report for your babysitting assignment when a stranger calls with special guest Mike Manzi. (laughs) One more thing I wanted to mention Class participation is a huge part of your grade, and you guys have been participating a lot lately. I really appreciate it. I've been getting a lot of Instagram messages about high school films, or some films that aren't high school films. Someone asked me if Mona Lisa Smile was a high school film. I wish it was. You know I love Julia Stiles, but no, that is a college film. What else? Oh, someone asked me if I was going to do Can't Buy Me Love Soon. Maybe I will. I really want to do that film. I have not seen that film in a long time. Keep the questions coming. I love to answer. Sometimes I feel too creepy answering right away. So if I don't answer right away, know that I'm just trying not to be creepy. And if I do answer right away, know that I'm not creepy, please. But I get excited when I get your Instagram messages, your Facebook messages, your Twitter DMs. Slide into those DMs. You're more than welcome. Trust me. So thank you for participating, guys. And remember, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. So what other song should we end with than the theme, the theme to the bicycle boogie that happens here? And that is, send me an angel, send me an angel, right now. Send me an angel by real life. Later, dudes.
you're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.